You are listening to the Sun Grove Podcast. For more information, please visit our website at sungrove.org. Hey, I'm so glad that we can meet for coffee today. I see hi of mine. I'm not sure if you have yours, but uh, glad we can meet today. And if you're joining us uh, here in church or you're online watching, um, I know you have questions about how to build a love relationship that lasts. And there's a lot of different groups in this room. There's people in here who are not in a relationship right now. There's people in here in the room who have been in a relationship for years and potentially your relationship has grown apart. And there's people in here today who basically have, are in relationship, testing it out, but not really sure how do you take a relationship to the next level or what would God's intention be for how to build a relationship? I mean, some of you wonder what in the world would a Christian relationship look like? And it's not so much that it would be a Christian relationship, but rather what building blocks did God give us to build a relationship on? Because there's ways for us, even if we're years kind of apart in terms of our connection, maybe you're, you know, you've been married for years and you're living in the same house as borders. You do your thing, she does her thing, and you're missing each other and you're in relationship, but you're lonely in relationship. And our world would say, hope is lost, love has failed, you've fallen out of love, maybe there's a different soulmate out there for you. But God has something better for you. And I want to walk through this issue of a love relationship within the context of Scripture today. If you have your Bible, open with me to Song of Solomon chapter 8. We're going to look at verses 6 and 7. Solomon says this, Place me like a seal over your heart, like a seal on your arm, for love is as strong as death. It's pretty strong. It's jealousy, unyielding as the grave. That's pretty permanent jealousy, isn't it? It says this, it burns like a blazing fire, like a mighty flame. Many waters cannot quench love. Rivers cannot wash it away. If one were to give all the wealth of his house for love, it would be utterly scorned. The point being that if a person were to say, to get love, I'm going to give away everything, they would scorn everything they own because they so desperately want love. They will pursue it to the ends of the earth. Why? Because love is strong. It's permanent. It's like, it's like a death. It's like the grave. It's jealousy. The scriptures just give us that picture that love is worth fighting for. And love is something that God has intended for us to grow in relationship with another person over time. But unfortunately, many people today are giving away the wealth of their house. They're giving away all their possessions, not to receive love, but they're giving away their possessions because they feel like love failed them and they're dividing their possessions and they're giving them up because of choices they've made and they're giving in to them because of distance in relationship. Well, let me ask you this. What rebar could go into the foundation, the cement of our foundation, to give it strength so that you and I could build a love relationship that lasts? Or if we're in a relationship, we can rebuild from whatever point we're at to look forward and say we can take our relationship, even where it's been all these years, to the next level, and it will re-engage and reattach our hearts in the process. How many of you have had a few relationships that collapsed over the years? Come on, be honest. It's around the room. All right, awesome. Uh, do you know anyone who's in a relationship right now, but, but they would tell you we've totally grown apart, but they're still in that relationship right now? Yeah, absolutely. 
Uh, maybe for some of you, it might be your parents. If they're here today, don't raise your hand, but you know, they might be uh, in the same room. And, uh, and in your heart, you don't want them to stay stuck there. That's painful for you to watch. And at the same time, you don't want to end up there because you would perceive that that would be painful for you. Isn't that right? We want a love relationship that lasts. And, and we, we think in this idea in our culture that if we just find the right person, if we could just find our soulmate, then love will last. And that's just absolutely false because you were created with a soul. And when you die, your spouse doesn't go with you. Your soul is entrusted back to the creator of your soul, your soulmate, God in heaven. And there's one relationship there that is significant. But the beautiful thing is he says, I want to give you a love relationship that can last with a helpmate, not a soulmate. Because what man could bear the burden of a woman's soul ultimately and meet all her deficiencies or all her needs? No man could do that. Amen, men? Come on, help me out here. Help a brother out. Women, on the other hand, what woman can satisfy a man's every desire, every whim, will never age? Will, uh, women, I mean, it's impossible, right? There has to be a soulmate. And the beautiful thing is that God says, let me help you build a relationship with a helpmate that can last and doesn't have to look like the relationships in culture around you. Well, God has given us basically five different building blocks of relationship. And I want to look at those here a little bit today. And on your outline in your program, you've got a sheet that's pretty much the same thing on both sides. But I want you to take that out because we're going to draw a little bit today. I'm visual, and so I need some visual stimulus to help me understand this principle. Uh, I'm going to, first of all, draw what relationships typically look like as we're having coffee here today. I'm going to draw what relationships typically look like in our culture. So basically what happens is this. A typical relationship in our culture looks like this. If this is zero right here and this is 100% right here, this 100% would be marriage, right? We would think we would get to that point that these things should grow. And what happens in our culture is this. Physically, we start from zero and we go to 100% and quick in our culture. That's just the way it works and what it looks like. Uh, and in our culture, then, we emotionally get involved in infatuation. You just get in a relationship those first basically three months, off the hook emotions, right? So your emotions go crazy in relationship. And God did intend uh, for that to be part of just that falling in love process. But it's not solely what a relationship should look like. And what happens in our culture is that, well, intellectually, you know, it might be somewhere in here and socially, typically smaller because what happens in a relationship is you get involved with somebody and you throw all your friends to the side and you just want to be with this man or this woman, right? Like you like get rid of your other relationships just by nature and default and you want to spend all your time with uh, this person. And then spiritually, you're, you're, you may be somewhere in here just depending on your belief set and your practices. But what happens in our culture is this. Physically, they say if you're going to really be in a relationship and lock it in and be, per you know, to make it to keep it, you got to get all physical. Our culture says sex is everything, and they say sex is not a big deal. And it's a conflict in its communication. But because of that, our emotions go a little bit nuts, and here's why. Because we're behaving beyond our degree of commitment. See, the rest of our degree of commitment at this point is right in here. But our behavior in these two areas is beyond our degree of commitment, and our own emotions begin to betray us. And so what happens is you can almost always tell a relationship that's in this situation 
because they start fighting about stupid things. And so you got all this stuff going on here. It's this conflict. And this, this cycle happens, and the cycle's this. Um, we're, our emotions are betraying that we're behaving beyond our degree of commitment. So now we're fighting about dumb stuff, and we don't know what to do with that. So we make out to make up. Does that make sense? So we don't know how to relate, so we go back to relating the easiest way we know how, which is making out. So we make out to make up, but that just fuels the dysfunction in our relationship because the rest of these three areas over here are stagnant. And it doesn't matter if this is a relationship of a high schooler uh, or two high schoolers. It doesn't matter if it's a relationship with celebrities. It doesn't matter if it's your relationship given time. This relationship is top-heavy and will collapse because all relationships are built on trust. And trust is generated by the degree of commitment, not just verbal promises, not just saying I love you, but actual the foundation and the building blocks of trust. And God says, listen, our culture preaches this, but what do we sing in culture over and over and over again? We see a collapse of relationship. I've done a lot of weddings. And let me tell you, oftentimes people who I watch get cold feet at the altar are the ones whose inside their emotions are betraying them because they've built the foundation where their behavior is exceeding their real degree of commitment. They're hoping a decision or a promise or a next step of marriage would fix the deficiency in their relationship. It would just somehow make everything all right. And then a couple years into it, what happens? You watch the beginning of a potential disintegration of relationship. But there's a stopping point. There's a place where God says, we can, even if you're in that situation right now, there's some things you can do to stop that cycle to begin to have a love relationship that will last. And so let me give you a little bit of that as we begin to talk today and see what it looks like. You need to realize kind of the big idea is this, that trust is the basis of relationship. In those first three months of infatuation, you don't have enough information, so a lot of you just trust blindly, right? I'm so in love, he could do nothing wrong. And all the friends are like, nothing wrong? I mean, do you know this guy? You don't even have enough time or information yet to know him. So you just feel like everything's great. Everything's in love. I would trust him with my whole life. And you just, if you let yourself go, that's where you're going to end up. And you be, but trust is the basis of relationship and a proper investment in these five areas, the physical, emotional, social, intellectual, spiritual, can balance your behavior with your degree of commitment. And God gives us good wisdom in this. So let's take these one at a time as we look through them today. Uh, we just need to define what do we mean by physical. Well, God told us as we look in 1 Timothy chapter 5, we looked at this last week, but he says in verse 1, do, to, he's speaking to men, he said, guys, listen, do not rebuke an older man harshly, but exhort him as if he were your father, and treat younger men as brothers, older women as mothers, and younger women as sisters, here's the key, with absolute purity. What's he saying? When you're building a relationship, you treat that other person with a stopping point, with purity. There's a point where you go and you stop. See, Jewish culture would have been a very affectionate culture. They would greet one another with a kiss, much like maybe we know Europeans would do or people in other cultures. In America, we're like fist bump, handshake, you know, a friend request on Facebook or something, right? 
We, do, we don't totally all know what to do. Maybe it's a hug. But they would greet each other with, an, with a kiss, but it would be a kiss that was a pure one, not a, a taking, striving, mashing kind of kiss. There was a natural stopping point. He's saying, listen, as you begin to build a relationship, you do that with absolute purity, that we should protect that area. And this is difficult to do, but God is wise because he realizes that this area uniquely causes a person to potentially behave beyond the degree of commitment. And so he says, you reserve that with absolute purity. You treat that girlfriend like you would treat your affection to a sister. And it's countercultural. And it sounds a little weird. But I want you to understand the why of what God is saying here. He's saying we protect that area. And it's tough. Heather and I, as we were dating, and we would feel all that emotion and that passion, and I just wanted to be close to her, and she smelled good, and she was warm, and my apartment was lonely, and it was more fun to be with her. And just as we were navigating that whole experience of, of building a relationship and walking through that, uh, you know, there were just these times that I'm like, we, we got to put some boundaries. we got to navigate this. How do we do it? How do we put some boundaries in to protect this area? And so we came up with a little saying, and it was typically for my benefit, uh, because uh, as a guy, I would just get wound up sooner. And so we would get close and hug. We start to kiss a little bit, and then and then I would just feel, you know, my my body just get, I'm a man, just gets charged and you know ready to go. And so I had to be like, what do we say? What do, how do we call time out in a way that doesn't be like away from me, temptress? <laughs> Back off. What do we do? You know, how do we navigate this? And, and so we came up with, this is the catchphrase, like, if I say this, this means help a brother out. And, and it was that I would say, I'm enjoying you too much, which was a nice way to say, I got to put the brakes on because uh, otherwise my, you know, my ability, my desire is going to try to run past a healthy boundary. And so that was just kind of a catchphrase for us. But we got to do it. Why? Because we we're protecting that. Why? If you protect the physical you give the chance for the rest to grow. But when you don't protect the physical, the rest stagnate. And God knows this. He says, listen, the degree of commitment's got to get all the way up to 100% in these other areas. Then the physical is a reinforcement of the degree of commitment you've already made. So we protect the physical. Second area, emotional. Song of Solomon 2.7 this is a bride who is just preparing right now to be married, and she's saying to all the daughters of the land, all the single ladies in the land, she says this to them, do not arouse or awaken love until it so desires. What she's saying, she's saying, listen, emotionally, ladies, don't cause the bonding that happens until you're ready to bond in marriage. Don't cause this false bonding, this unsustainable attraction that later you have to relinquish. What does our culture do? We're trying to awaken young ladies to be in relationship in third grade. Little boys are trying to go, she's my girlfriend. Our culture is pushing us from behind, trying to cause a trip and a fall and an injury that God says, I want to protect for you. And so this, this woman who is just about to be married, she's just entering that first season of marriage is saying, listen, ladies, listen. Do like I did. Don't open yourself and throw yourself wide open in what you read and what you watch and all that you see. Don't aspire all the time that a man would meet all 
the deficiencies of your life, that a man would meet all your needs, that he would be your soulmate. She's saying, listen, let that part grow over time so you're ready to commit your life to that man. Bonding emotionally happens. It's what happens when a mom holds a little baby. There's a bonding that goes on. It had already started in the pregnancy, right? There's that attachment that's going on there. But as a mom snuggles and speaks to and holds a little baby, there's a, there's a natural bonding that goes on. We bond emotionally. Ladies in the room, typically, not always, but you will bond much more quickly emotionally in a relationship than a man. And he will try to bond much more physically, typically, not always, but typically in a relationship than a woman. But they come from two different things, and they, can, they cause a conflict. And when we talk about bonding emotionally, the hormone oxytocin comes to mind. The oxytocin is a dopamine reward system that chemically tells us we're receiving pleasure. So you get near somebody and you feel this thing and, and the dopamine kicks in because of oxytocin and all of a sudden you begin to feel like this is great to be with this person. We are bonding emotionally. But bonding ultimately surrounds itself by how much we trust one another. And when you and I behave beyond our degree of commitment, we trust, and then our trust gets broken, and it fails, and it fails us, and it falls apart. And we start building on a shaky foundation. But God says, I want you to do it a little bit differently. So physically, we go for a little bit, and we stop. Emotionally, we are to begin to let that thing grow as we get closer and closer to the point of marriage. Then intellectually, Proverbs 14, 15, it's a great verse that says this. The simple believe anything, but the prudent give thought to their steps. Let me ask you for a minute. What kind of relationship do you want to build? Do you give thought to your steps or do you throw caution to the wind and just pursue your heart and just go after those emotions like we're taught so often in culture only to get bit in the end, to get frustrated that we're attracting the wrong kind of people, to get frustrating that we're, we're attracting unsustainable attentions. And we get frustrated in relationship. And I think the enemy of our souls just laughs at us. And God says, I want so much more for you. I want so much better for you. Intellectually deals with the area of communication. If you just go out and you see a movie, and then after seeing the movie, you hug and kiss, maybe you make out a little bit, whatever, and then you go and see a different movie, and then you go and make out. If that's what all your dates are like, you're not communicating. You're not developing an intellectual side. Let me tell you, you could be a rocket scientist, and the other person could be a, you know, a junior high dropout, and they will still relate for a little while on the physical and the emotional side, but that's it, Right? What happens in the bonding intellectually through communication? Communication is where you and I are challenged. We're challenged with new ideas. We're challenged with one another. We exchange ideas. Uh, intrigue happens in the intellectual. I don't know if you realize that. Our culture preaches that intrigue happens in the visual. And to some degree that's there, but that's very short-lived. But intrigue for a person is like, I want to get to know that person better. You start to feel the attraction for a person. You're like, I want to know what makes them tick. I really want to know what her dreams are or her thoughts. And we begin to get that intrigue. And then what happens if you just go physical, emotional, all of a sudden you lose the intrigue. And you can't remember what you valued about that person in the first place. Why? Because they become common. 
they become plain. The foundation you've laid is beginning to crack. But intellect and communication is where we begin to build trust. Intrigue happens there. People are creative differently. You're going to bring your individual type of creativity, which can be very different from the other person's type of creativity. You don't have to be creatively the same. You don't have to have all the same interests. In fact, God is a God of diversity. He loves diversity. He, he himself dwells in diversity. And for us, he loves to take two very different type of people and bring them together and take what we're separately two and make them one. But in that process, we've got to communicate. We've got to talk to one another. We've got to learn to love intellectually. It's where we value thinking independently. Ladies, if you were always correcting your man and making him try to think like you, good luck with that. I don't think you're ever going to change him. Men, if you're always trying to dominate or try to think, you know, make a woman tell her her ideas are not smart and that she just does, then you are, you're eroding everything because there's a value in independent thinking that two can think and challenge one another and yet still be one. God intended it that way. So intellectually, we start to grow as we head toward marriage. Uh, next is social, and social we ought to grow as we head toward marriage, but what often happens is, again, we get rid of all our friends, or maybe life just takes over. You got little kids, you are basically uh, entering the years where, where maybe socially it was your family, and now the kids have moved out, and the, the parents get in that midlife thing where they kind of freak out a little bit, and they're like, well, who are we now that we don't have kids living in the house? How, what do we do with that? And that may actually be a real fear for you right now. Like, how do I at this point right now rebuild what my future would look like if we've been distant for a long time? Can you see how scary and intimidating that can be? And the enemy wants to whisper, well, let the kids get out of the house and then just start to be more honest about your relationship and throw it away. And God says, I want so much better for you. I want you to be able to rebuild. So socially, we've got to grow through community. Have people over. Develop some couple friends who are healthy couple friends for you. Couple friends who help you build your relationship, not just value what the culture values. But truly, join a community group. There's something so valuable about going there, mixing it with other people, singles and marrieds and other people, and just engaging with them because we grow through community. And we need that socially, even if you've been married for years. If you're just starting a relationship, develop couple friends. It'll help pull back the physical, emotional pace. You'll help protect it when you do things in groups or with other people. So socially, we've got to keep that going. You might need to develop new adult friendships. You might have little kids and need to develop adult friendships where you can speak in complete sentences because the little kids are not just, you know, they're not just coming along and interrupting you every two seconds. But you can build a relationship that lasts. And that's why here at Sun Grove, we believe in community. We think we need other people in our lives. And last, spiritually, I've done a lot of premarital counseling and on a value system. Uh, religious compatibility is the number two thing for a woman. Because she can see ahead. She thinks this is going to impact how we raise our kids. This is going to impact what we do on a week-to-week, day-to-day kind of basis. We want a similar religious compatibility. It's like number 15 for a guy. He's like, why? 
because typically guys compartmentalize. Well, there's a religious part of my life, and if you, you know, you're really hot. So if you believe what you believe, that's cool as long as I believe what I believe, and we'll make it work out. But your spiritual development together is essential. You need to know that that other person has a more important, lifelong first relationship than the relationship they have with you. That they need to love Jesus more than they love you because if that woman loves Jesus more than she loves you, she will love you like nobody can. If that man is submitted and pursuing a relationship, a lifelong soulmate relationship with Jesus Christ, ladies, he will love you like no one else can because he's made a first, a, something that you can test. He has made a first lifelong commitment to somebody else and he intends to keep it for his whole life. That's reassuring to you, I would think. It will impact your life decisions. It will impact your holidays. It will impact your weekly routines. It will impact your spiritual disciplines and the consistent treatment of one another. What's the basis for how we show love and respect to one another within a relationship? It's scripture. It's not what, simply what I think or what you think. It's God has taught us how to sacrificially love one another, right here. So spiritual is essential. So you begin to grow and you watch. How does that person handle trials and tests and temptations as we date? Do they follow God? Do they just say they follow God or do they actually follow God? And is it something they're doing consistently? Why? Because you hope 20 years down the road, when the storms of life hit, that you have a spiritual foundation that you've built. So God says, grow this way. Why? Because he created us. In fact, he created sex. God, for, God thought up sex in the first place. He's a pretty smart God. He just is like, listen, I'm super creative, and it was my idea. Sex preceded the fall of man. Sex preceded sin. God thought it up. It was his idea, but the enemy in our world wants to grab it and corrupt it. That's why they do the relationship graph backwards. But how did God design sex? God designed our physical relationship with one another to go from zero to 100% overnight. That's why it's so easy. He just designed it to go from zero to 100% like that. That we go from protecting that area to saying, now my behavior fully matches my degree of commitment. That before God, we've made covenant vows before him and all these witnesses. When you do this, you have a relationship that stands a much higher chance of lasting long. It matches your degree of commitment. But you say, well, wait a minute, Dave. What if, what if I'm married and we've just, you know, totally, we've grown apart, honestly. We're like, like, we sleep in separate bedrooms. We've grown apart. We don't talk. We're like ships in the night. What do we do with that? A lot of people say, well, just do what you did at first. And you're going, that's impossible, right? Because I don't feel the infatuation. I don't feel that because we, we feel like we're distant, you know, and, and, you know, typically when you grow apart in a relationship, the physical goes away. So you're going, I, I can't necessarily do maybe what I felt like doing at first. How do I rebuild? Well, God says it's just the same way. No matter what point in relationship you are, maybe that physical is stopped for you. And that may be your main frustration, particularly if you are oriented, if your love language that you receive is physical. That can be very frustrating. Uh, emotionally, it's probably very negative emotion, and it's all over the place. 
but you need to go back and begin to work on communication. Can you communicate for 15 minutes with one another once a day without it escalating, without playing the blame game, without getting into a fight? Can you get some counseling? Can you work through Celebrate Recovery and work on hurts and habits and hang-ups? And begin to get some tools in your toolbox to just be able to communicate. And as you do, that helps you begin to grow together socially. Not just you got to reconnect with yourselves and with some other people. Grow in community. Get some people to come along who can help you. And spiritually get back to the basics. That it's your personal relationship with God. All the problems in your life are not their fault. The problems in your life are things that God wants to, as a good counselor, unpack in you so that irrespective of what that other person does, you are loving your soulmate first, and he's training you how to re-love your helpmate when they're disrespectful, when they're unloving. And you begin here and to grow in the Lord. And what happens over time is that as you and I do that, we basically get back to a place where our emotions will catch up with our degree of commitment and the physical can follow. But if you try to fix your distance through physical only, you will just use one another. See, God wants so much more for us. And I'm really visual, so sometimes I have to see it. You know, I, I got to look at it and be like, okay, what? some of you are not in a relationship right now, and you're like, well, what do I build? How re refreshing would it be for you to be able to be like, this is what I want to build. This is what I'm after. Okay, you want to pursue me or I want to pursue a girl? This is what, what I'm after, and we're going to do this right here. Well, you're going to be able to tell very quickly what they're interested in building, right? You're going to see very quickly what the other person, and, and it may or may not be their fault. They may be just classically conditioned by culture like you and me. But could you sit down and walk? I meet with a lot of couples, and when I do, I'll, I'll ask them to draw the relationship graph. Typically, this is what it looks like. I'll say, uh, okay, how you guys doing? Draw the light. They kind of go, oh, yeah, it's in here, okay, right here, and well, I don't know, somewhere in here. And then they go, oh, yeah, we're way over here. And then the guy will go, like, yeah, I think we're, like, right about there. And the girl will go, no, we're all the way over here. She'll typically be more honest. Not always, but typically. They're going to ante that up first. Like, oh, gosh, we're meeting with a pastor. <laughs> Listen, I'm in a relationship, too. I get it. So how do we... How do we understand what God intended? And you go back, whether you've been in a long-term relationship, whether you're looking to build a relationship, or whether you're in a relationship right now, you go back to build like God intended us to. Why? Because you got to stop the crazy cycle. And I believe that there are people in here even today, and I've got lots of friends in this situation. You're living together. You're not married. You're living together. You're living like you're married, and it may have been for years. But what is happening is you have built the foundation without rebar in it. And given a number of years, you will start to fight over dumb things. And then you will collapse because you've been living for years beyond your degree commitment. You've kept one foot in the door ready to exit if things get to a point where they're too hard or if they're not your soulmate or if somebody better comes along. Because cultures trained you through dating to date and commit and break up and date and commit and break up and date and commit and break up. And some of that's just the espionage. We have to date to find out what we do like and don't and what we're trying to build. But oftentimes it's all that dating and building without a plan, 
we're doing it our way instead of doing it God's way. And he wants so much more for us. So some of you have to stop that cycle. And, and that means you might have to move out. You might, it's not that you're breaking up. It might mean that you move out. It might mean that you go to somebody in your community group and go, hey, we're, we've been living together. You guys got a spare bedroom. Could I just move in? We're going to get some premarital counseling. We're going to work toward marriage. But because of integrity, we're going to move out. We're going to honor God in our relationship. We're still going to date, but we're going to honor God. So maybe I'm going to move out, and we're going to look toward marriage. And some of you are going, that would be impossible. Like, are you kidding me? Like, how inconvenient or how costly? And I got to tell you something. Integrity is always costly. Always. But it will buy you what money can't. Integrity will buy you honor from God. You can't buy that with money. You can't buy your way into heaven, right? You can't buy God's respect and that honor with money. Integrity will also give you respect for yourself and honor with other people, and you can't buy that either. It'll help build trust like few other things can. Listen, that person you're dating, they listen to you lie on the phone, and they take notes. They watch what you do, and why? But integrity is costly, but you know what? It's worth it because it will buy you stuff. How much stronger would a person feel like we're willing to separate? You believe in our relationship that much, and you're going to honor God that much that you would you would move out for a little bit and then we would do that and then we would get married and then we'd move back in together? Absolutely. Because trust is built as the basis of relationship. And a proper investment in these five areas will help you behave in a degree that's consistent with your degree of commitment. See, there's something interesting. When we build like God instructs, we find that he gets involved and he's in the business of renewable attractions and God is in the business of renewable connection and God is in the business of renewable trust. Even if someone has so violently violated your trust in some area, God is in the business of rebuilding trust. Even if they've emptied your trust bank account, he's in the business of rebuilding trust and it has to be a God-ordained miracle, and you have to be convinced that God is involved in that as you rebuild trust. But that's his business. He's in that, and he will do that for you. But we have to cancel several false agreements that we make along the way. Some of you in this room, you're like, I'm single, I'm young, I don't trust myself. I never could get to the point where... You know, they, you've been in some relationships, and you're like, I don't trust myself physically to be able to say no. I, I just, I've gone so far, I don't even know how to go back to look like protecting that. And you're just like, I just don't believe I can do that. And you need to just stand against that belief. That's like you sticking your hand out and shaking hands with the devil and saying, I choose to always have a relationship that is built to fall apart. You need to reject that and say, God, help me. God, help me. I need you. Help me build like you intended a relationship to be built. Some of you need to reject the agreement that you're too far gone. Everything in our world will tell you you're too far gone. There's been too much time. We've been separate for too long. We can't step back. As soon as I try, he or she's going to do, nying, 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 and you just knock it, you're just like, it's just too much. We're never going to get there. And you need to reject that lie and say, God is in the business of bringing dead things to life. And some of you in this room, you're playing the comparison game. 
and you're looking at the best in everybody else's relationship and you're watching social networking and you're trying to see the best of all the things that they do and how happy they look and all that and you just need to stop playing the comparison game, put some of that stuff aside and say, I wanna build not based on just the experiences we have together but built on these principles that God gives us in his word. Can you imagine the witness of a young generation in this world who would say, we are willing to move out and build integrity and work toward building something permanent and then get married. I met with a couple in this church a number of years ago. We were not even in this building and they said, they came to me and we drew the relationship graph and they said, we're totally top heavy, it's gonna collapse. What do we do? Because we still, we do love each other, but what do we do? Said, stop the physical, go back, rebuild these areas. About nine months in, he comes to me and he, he says, Dave, Dave, shows me, I bought a ring. He said, we have taken that advice, we stopped everything. And we started to build in these other areas. He goes, I love her more than I thought I ever could. And they got married, they got a little baby and just wonderful, but they, I, I didn't know. You know, I, they kind of left my office and it's like, it's now up to you. You have to choose if you're gonna make it work. And they did. Could you imagine how great it would be for couples who spent years being distant and apart, for the rest of your family to watch you begin to take steps back toward each other and to connect really on real relationship, letting the emotional get to the point where it's building trust and so the physical re-enters the picture. Could you imagine how beautiful that would be and how your extended family would look and go, wow, what happened to you guys? Because they've put you in a pigeonhole. They've put you in a box. Can you imagine deciding ahead of time what you're looking for in a relationship? You might be single now. You might be single again. But looking in a relationship and saying, this is what I'm looking to build so that you can quickly identify the intentions of others and either redirect them for your benefit or to realize that's all they're looking for and therefore it's not what benefits me in the long run. And can you imagine how attractive your relationship and how winsome it would be with people finding over and over in this world, they're finding out every single day, they're trying everything, and they're finding out that normal isn't working. But could you imagine watching your relationship at whatever point it is grow, how winsome that would be, and they would be, there's something different about you, and you say, yeah, God taught us some things in here that are making a difference in here. How beautiful and how winsome. What a great witness that would be with relationships in the church because of a relationship with Jesus Christ. When we build like God instructs, we find that he's in the business of renewable attractions and renewable connection and renewable trust. Will you pray with me? Jesus, I'm so aware today as we talk about these things that there is pain in this room from abandonment, from sin, from selfishness, from loss. And God, I just ask you right now like a good counselor to bring hope to the reality of pain. That God, you would say in the pain, there is still hope and you are actively involved and not to give up and not to settle, but God, that you want to bring dead things to life. God, we love you. We thank you for the wisdom of your word. We thank you for giving us just a picture of what we a relationship could look like. But it's got to start with that relationship with you. And Lord, I know that in this room, there are people right here who've never said yes to you, Jesus. 
they could try to go do these things on their own, but that spiritual deficit will haunt their relationship. And so God, I pray today that you would give people courage to make a decision for you, that today you would give people courage to make the right next step. Some people in this room are gonna have to break up. Some people in this room are gonna have to move out. Some people in this room are gonna have to approach somebody that, that has not been kind to them. Some people in this room are gonna have to write a letter or make a phone call that's a difficult one, but God, I pray that you would give courage today as we say yes to you. If today you realize you don't have a relationship with Jesus Christ, that he has forgiven your sin, that he wants to put his Holy Spirit inside of you to help you in your walk with him and obviously in your relationships with others, then would you ask Jesus to come into your heart today? And you could just pray a prayer like this right where you're seated after me. Just pray, Jesus, today I'm saying yes to you. I ask you to come into my heart and make me a new creation. God, I believe you died on the cross for my sins and that you offer me forgiveness and that you rose from the dead and that you are a living God. So I give you my life and I ask you to make me new. If today you prayed that for the first time, would you just raise up your hand? Anywhere around the room, just raise your hand up. We'd love, we've got some people who'd love to give you some information and they could just help you understand it. Just hold your hand up high enough that they have some time to, to get to you. Awesome. Believers in this room, I want you to just ask Jesus right now, what's your next step? What has the Holy Spirit been telling you this morning is that next step in your life? And will you choose just by a statement back to him today to do it? We say, God, it's so hard, but I choose to do what honors you. That's between you and him. You take a moment for that. Jesus, in this series on families, we want to agree with you that family matters, that there can be life, real life, true life in family. And sometimes, God, we come along and we just jack it all up and we're sorry. And so, God, we come back to you and just say, God, help us rebuild. Give us wisdom. Give us intention. Strengthen us and sustain us. Thank you that you initiated relationship with us. And, God, this morning as the ushers come forward, just as we give you our tithes, your tithes and our offerings, I just pray, God, that you would use these gifts to further your kingdom, God, that it would be part of that relationship building, rebuilding process for so many, and that, God, we would just entrust uh, that you are the king over all of our resources. You give us the air we breathe and everything we earn, and we return back to you what's yours. We pray this in Jesus' name and all God's people said, amen. Thank you for listening to the Sun Grove Podcast. For information on Sun Grove Church, visit our website at sungrove.org.